0: It's the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every
1: day. What you doing? Ran out of space on my phone, so I'm deleting some stuff. Four. Bye singing dog. No! Bye, goal.
0: I pronounce you. Bye. Wedding friend. ceremony. Stop. At Metro PCS, you get two free phones with twice as much memory. Really? Don't say bye to your memories. Switch to Metro PCS and get two free LG K20 Plus phones with 32 gigs when you switch two lines. Metro PCS, wireless, figured out. Coverage not available in some areas. Sales tax not included in phone price. Excludes numbers on the T Mobile Network. See store for details and terms and conditions.
1: You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. TGIF, it's Locked On Vikings on the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm Sam Ekstrom. Welcome to this Friday edition of the program. No Sage Rosenfels today. He had some commitments that cropped up and we will push forward without Mr. Rosenfels. I was hoping to get him on today because I figured he would have some kind of perspective about the passing of Dan Rooney, the Pittsburgh Steelers owner. Long have the Steelers and the Rooney's been lauded for the professionalism with which they run the Pittsburgh Steelers organization. When you have the kind of success that Rooney did six Super Bowl titles, that would be enough to earn you the accolades. But he was also a great champion of diversity in the NFL, instigating what we now call the Rooney rule. I think the example of the Rooney rule most close to home that involves Dan Rooney himself is Mike Tomlin. 2006, Mike Tomlin comes to Minnesota after spending five years as the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defensive backs coach with the Vikings. He leads them to a league-best rushing defense. For perspective, Minnesota allowed just 985 rushing yards that year. 2.8 yards per attempt. The next closest team gave up 1,214 yards. He was aided by the Williams wall, for sure. But young Mike Tomlin, the longtime coach who, sort of like Kevin Stefanski with the Vikings, got ahead in the game by starting his coaching career right out of college, very young working with VMI in 1995, when he was just 23 years old. He spends one year under Brad Childress, and then he got plucked by Dan Rooney. Two years later, he's winning a Super Bowl in Pittsburgh. And a couple of years after that, bringing them to another. Tomlin now, a decade with the Steelers, still just 45 years of age. And that was Dan Rooney in action, identifying talent that may not have been identified elsewhere. And I love the way that Mark Craig put it in his ode to Rooney. Dan Rooney had a good sense about everyone because he looked past no one. Profound words, and Rooney at age 84, along with his father, Art, who preceded him, will go down as some of the better owners in league history. The best Vikings story written today, by far. Brian Murphy, Pioneer Press, known for his intrepid reporting, such as when he went to visit Mike Zimmer last year at his ranch in Kentucky, goes to Dallas and hangs out with Terrence Newman. Ample, valuable nuggets in this story. A great picture painted of Terrence Newman, playing pickup basketball at his local L.A. Fitness, basically just being a defensive maniac, trying to figure out everybody's tendencies and treating his pickup basketball game just like he would an NFL game from a preparation standpoint. Newman is returning to the Vikings on a one-year $3.25 million deal, and he's going to be the oldest defensive player in the NFL since 42-year-old Daryl Green. Back in 2002, Newman turning 39 on September 4th. Newman flips real estate on the side. He invests in Panera Bread franchises. He golfs twice a week. He goes to half-off wine night at local restaurants. He meets with his financial advisor. And, of course, he plays pickup basketball and works out at his local gym. That must be the recipe for staying young. Because Terrence Newman is still very, very young at heart, and he's still raking in those checks and earning them. It's not the case of a defunct NBA player or a dried-up baseball player who are still collecting checks long after their usefulness has disappeared. The NFL doesn't just hand out checks. Newman keeps earning them, and it's fascinating to see what exactly makes him tick. Perhaps of greatest note in the story is Newman's angle on the alleged going rogue incident on week 16, where the defensive backs seem to not be on the same page as head coach Mike Zimmer. He says that he ignored Mike Zimmer's phone calls the day after the game. He takes responsibility for that. And then there's a very interesting quote about Newman basically trying to shoulder all the blame. And here's how Murphy puts it. Two days after the brouhaha, during room mea Culpas, Newman jumped on the grenade for Rhodes, who awkwardly tried to spin the mess as a simple miscommunication affecting only a handful of series. Quote, I told Xavier, hey, you don't say anything. I'm going to put everything on me. I'm cool with it, Newman explained. Rhodes said, man, it ain't supposed to be that way. And now back to Newman. The best way for this thing to go away was put it on one person and be done with it. Not everybody needs to be criticized for this. My name is the big one out there right now. I'll take it. I'd rather protect my friends. I'm at the end of my career. He's just starting his. I'd rather this to be on me than him. So I'm not entirely sure what that all means. It almost seems like an admission of guilt. Like there was an incident and Newman was trying to take all the blame himself rather than, if there wasn't an incident, just denying it. But then, later on in the story, they get back to that issue, and Newman has different things to say. Quote, Zimmer never said why he said it or whatever. It was more so, hey, it was a misunderstanding, which it pretty much was. Honestly, I think he spoke before he really had a chance to see the whole tape. It was right after the game. He may have seen something, but it wasn't the way he thought it was. So remember, Zimmer put out in his postgame presser that some of the defensive backs didn't follow his instructions, and then Andrew Kramer got the scoop from Rhodes that they had decided as a group to take sides. So some slightly conflicting things from Newman here, but I think the end result is that he's backing up the narrative that it was a miscommunication. And it sounds like the only thing that Newman was upset about was the lack of communication with Zimmer. He feels like because of the miscommunication, Newman's reputation and his character were put into question. So regardless of whatever happened, it seems like Newman is back, at least in the team's good graces. A man of Newman's age and maturity would certainly be able to smooth things over with the head coach. The question this year is, will Newman be in the nickel or will he be back on the outside or some sort of rotation? Gotta wait and see.
0: the list.
1: In other news, CBS continues to pillage talent, not only from the NFL player ranks, but now the NFL officiating ranks. Dean Blandino, the NFL's senior vice president of officiating and longtime operative in the league's instant replay department, is leaving to work at CBS. He'll basically be the next Mike Pereira, who is the excellent rules analyst for Fox. He will be the Mulligan, after CBS faltered in hiring Mike Carey, the longtime referee. This will be a big job to fill. Blandino had been in the the organization about 23 years, I believe, had gone up the ranks, and he really carried the weight of the league's officiating on his shoulders. He oversaw a lot of the centralized replay system, which was recently instituted, and he will now get to analyze from the comfort of a broadcast booth, rather than having the pressure of every blown call falling on his shoulders, ultimately. We also have confirmation on when the Minnesota Vikings schedule is going to be released. We got the preseason schedule earlier this week on Monday, and the regular season schedule will be announced April 20, next Thursday, six days away. Even though we know the Vikings opponents... You really can't analyze the schedule until you see the order in which they play. Will there be a three game homestand or a three game road trip mixed in? Do they have a bye around London? And where do they end the year? These are all questions we'll be able to break down next week on Locked On Vikings. We should have Sage Rosenfels back for three shows. And we're hoping to get Brian Perez, the Locked On Bears host, to conclude our tour of the NFC North draft 13 days away when we talk on monday it'll be just 10 days away happy easter enjoy it with your family enjoy perhaps some time off of work and thanks for listening to locked on vikings Hey, sports fans. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked on Wolves, the Minnesota Timberwolves podcast on the Locked on NBA network. The Wolves might be in the middle of what's turned out to be a pretty miserable season, but there's still plenty to talk about from the aftermath of the trade deadline to looking ahead at what moves Gerson Rosas and the front office might be planning for the summer to the possibility that all-star snub Carl Anthony Towns could go off on any given night. It's still going to be a fun spring. Tune into Locked on Wolves daily Monday through Friday. I'm Ben Beacon with Locked on Wolves, and we'll catch you next time.